0: I'm Spencer Cole, the Chief Investment Officer of Vox Royalty Corp. Vox is an extremely unique mining royalty investment company targeting the highest return on invested capital in our entire $70 billion industry. We've been around for 10 years, but we've only been listed for 2 years, so still very much a ground floor opportunity for investors.
1: Spencer, good to see you. Been, been a while. Um, but you've got a bit of good news out um, recently, a few, a few acquisitions. Uh, and also, but more importantly, do you mind, let's kick off with the um, 2022 revenue outlook. Um, those numbers look a bit higher than I remember.
0: You're absolutely right, Matt. So we we just published on the, the 26th of May our, our maiden revenue guidance for this year of $10 to $12 million top line revenue, um, which, as, as you pointed out, is more than double last year's revenues of four point six million. So, you know, I think this is really just delivering on what we've committed to investors. Of a lot of our royal, key royalty assets are starting to come online, and you know, um, organically, the portfolio has been really, you know, coming into its own over the last couple of quarters.
1: Are you frustrated then that the market reaction was kind of muted on, on that front? So, <laughs> what what, what yeah. should we interpret ten to twelve million bucks? Canadian um, to mean because I'm not sure the market feels the same way that you do.
0: No, you're absolutely right, mate. I mean, we are deeply frustrated by the share price response or, or lack thereof. Um, you know, doubling revenue guidance uh, in such challenging market conditions—you'd expect some sort of um, you know share price pat on the back, so to speak. But um, understand, understandably, equity market conditions are, are fairly bleak at the moment. So, and we're not we're not immune to that. So. We understand some of the reasons why, but it doesn't mean we're not um, getting out on the road and trying to, you know, communicate the story to investors because we think there is so much fundamental um, positive news going on for the company. Um, All we can do is continue to communicate it with investors. Okay. Now you, you've long extolled the virtues of
1: um, investing in royalty companies; they tend to outperform in, in the long run. Um, you're not doing that at the moment. You royalty companies broadly, and then you specifically, you've come off just like every other equity out there. So you're not immune. What, what have we got forward to look to?
0: Yeah. So I think um, you're absolutely right. You know, we're we're in the same basket uh, as a lot of other a lot of other royalty companies. You know, in terms of what we've got to look forward to. Um, You know, I think as we continue to deliver quarter-on-quarter sort of record revenue growth, um, the market has to take notice. Um, Likewise, we've been working in the background on a secondary listing on the NASDAQ, which we think should be hugely impactful from a a liquidity perspective. Um, You know, we've had some really promising meetings with some of the who's who of large institutional investment funds, but their consistent feedback is, come back to me when you've got more, you know, trading volume so much, so I can actually take on a, a larger position on market so we think you know enhancing trading liquidity will be a key step towards you know uh, uh, I guess the share price responding
1: right and well how, that's a brave move considering um, recent announcement you made with regards to the OTC markets where we've had to kind of explain yourself um, and the relationship with um, a company called GRA doing some work with your newsletter um, Organization, or function—you're um, going to be on a little bit more scrutiny on the NASDAQ. At NASDAQ, so may, maybe if you don't mind, um, can you explain the OTC situation? Why you felt the need to put that out? Why you were asked? You know, why you should have put that out, and why why you think NASDAQ is the right move for you in this kind of environment?
0: Yeah, absolutely, Matt. So uh, on the eighth of June, as you, as you mentioned, you know, we put out some disclosure to the market, just commenting on. Or responding to a query from the OTC uh, markets. So, to be clear, you know we weren't we weren't sort of compelled to put that release out. We we put that release out um, at our own sort of our own uh, you know our own initiative. Um, I guess the, the crux of that uh, that announcement was just talking about a recent engagement that we we made with a, um, a third party marketing firm called GRA. Um, other Royalty companies have used, used them in the past, so we're certainly not the first Royalty company to use them. Um, you know, they, they write, uh, they write you know, new, newsletter, email type blasts and, and send it out to their their, their network of, of investors. Um, the OTC, you know, had some concerns with, I guess, how some of those emails were worded. They were entirely based on publicly available information. Um, it was factual in nature, so we don't believe it was promotional. Um, But, you know, the OTC just asked us some questions and, you know, so as a result of that, I guess we've revisited our engagement with that group. Um, You know, I think going back to your earlier question, what can we as box Management control as it relates to the share price? You know, we obviously can control the fundamental value in our royalty portfolio. So, we, we, you know, continue to acquire great um, royalty assets at great value. And then the second part of that equation is we're constantly obsessively focused on finding new pools of investors that we can we can communicate the Vox story to um, and so this engagement was just another example of us you know trying to access a new pool of investors um, that we thought the uh, the Vox story would resonate with particularly during these periods of high inflation okay so
1: and when you say you
0: revisited
1: have you terminated that or have you made Yourself clear to them about how you want to be talked about in the marketplace, and because the, the feedback was kind of was kind of mixed, right? You know, some people slamming GRA for being a pump and dump type organization and pointing to their, their track record and other instances. So,
0: what does revisit mean for you? Yeah, so I think um, you know, anytime we engage with a third party marketing firm, you know, we have fairly strict engagement terms, um, and you know, our standard engagement terms include editorial control. Um, so I think in this case, you know, we've commu- we've communicated with the marketing firm, and, and I think you know we've we've basically we've stopped uh, you know all, all marketing activities with that group. Um, look, as with a lot of a lot of things we do um, as an organisation, we're we're fixated on running experiments. Um, some experiments pay off very well. Some experiments, you know, will won't be revisited. Um, whether it's acquiring royalties, doing due diligence, or even, you know, investor relations related experiments. Um, you know, for us as a management team, we're not going to sit on our hands. We're constantly trying to find new investors to, to, to communicate with. Um, so. While we don't like putting out announcements like this necessarily, um, you know, we thought this was best practice to respond to the OTC, and you know, we'll move on from here and 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 continue to work with other marketing firms um, to try and access the new pools of investor capital.
1: So, would you say to the OTC, congratulations, you're right to pick us up, and right, you're right to pick anyone up on over promotional material? It's better for the industry, or do you say, well, actually, um, boy, we got caught out there. Um, Put a hand up and say we got it wrong. We're going to, you know, move on.
0: How, how do you view? Look, it? I mean, I think you no. Know, we, we certainly don't believe that what was sent out um, by that marketing firm was promotional. Um, you know, the OTC took it took a different perspective. Uh, so it's it's not about necessarily congratulating the OTC. I think you know different people are going to have different views on on um, I guess fa- how factual information is presented. Um, you know, I think we we are comfortable with what we've disclosed in that press release, um, and you know, we'll move on from here. Um, you know, and, and continue to look for new groups to to work with to access new pools of investors.
1: Okay, yeah. I, look, I, so I think you know, really, really, you know, go on about it. But I, I think it's important that people understand the type of company that you you guys run. You know, and how how you view this. You know, for some people would be like. Um, normal course of business. We're going to carry on doing doing what we're doing. We answered the questions, but we'll carry on doing it the same way. You're, you're saying it's an experiment, which you know didn't work out. We're going to move on to other things. Okay, let's get let's get back to royalty revenue. So, ten to twelve million is brilliant. You've um, you've announced a couple of um, deals recently, obviously with. Um, with the Treasury guys and also One Moon royalty in Western Australia? Um, tell us a bit about that and what that's going to um, you know, add to uh, the story.
0: Absolutely, Matt. So on the 26th of May, we announced quite a major acquisition in the company's history. Uh, it's a producing iron ore royalty called One Mooner. Um, it's, it's located in Western Australia uh, and it's operated by an 11 billion Australian uh, iron ore producer uh, called Mineral Resources. Um, that operator was one of the key aspects of the deal that we really liked, Matt. Mineral Resources is a group that we have a really good relationship with. They operate one of our other producing royalty properties. So, you know, we know the operator well. We've got a really constructive dialogue with them. Um, and, you know, the asset itself, uh, is, is, you know, it's located in the Pilbara region. So it's within 30 kilometers of some of the, the world's largest iron ore mines. Um, and it's been producing for about 12 to 18 months. And the mine life is anywhere between sort of 10 to 18 years based on current production. Um, and, you know, they're doing extensive drilling work there. And, and the, other, the other aspect that I should also mention is the mine is currently producing 5 million tonnes per annum, but it's fully installed and fully permitted to double in, in capacity up to t- um, 10 million tonnes. So, we love the fact there's expansion potential there. It could could have quite meaningful revenue consequences. Why
1: don't these companies? You've done a deal with a at arm's length private company and picked pick this up. Why don't these eleven billion dollar companies know that the these um, these royalties are there and go and buy them themselves? Why why do you sneak in round the back door and get them when they can't? Well,
0: sadly, Matt, um, you know, often they do. <laughs> so I think we've lost about fifteen royalties to mining operators in the last. Two years, um, which is immensely frustrating when you do all the legwork to try and, uh, you know, essentially serve up a, a deal on a silver platter to a large uh, mining company. Now, in cases such as this, um, you know, n- not sometimes the operators have just got other priorities. Um, you know, sometimes it is focused on operating the actual mine itself, or sometimes you know they don't even get wind of the, the deal until. We actually, you know, approach them to, to sign off on the final paperwork. So there's a whole spectrum of reasons why different mining companies won't, won't acquire royalties. Um, some companies are just, you know, squarely operationally focused and they won't, they won't necessarily seek out third party royalties as intensely as we do.
1: Right. Okay. If that's the ratio, then I guess the occasional win is quite good. Um, the the other project um you picked up is the uh, so the, the the other um N S R over at the golden project was run by Treasury Metals. A group I met last week in in, in Canada, um, real mine builders. Um, so talk me through the kind of due diligence process that you went through because you don't want to pick up stuff which is not going to go into production. You want to pick up stuff which you feel is got a chance of paying out. So. What did you make of that project?
0: Yeah, no, th- th- you're absolutely right, Matt. Um, you know, we, we really like the Treasury Metals management team. We think they are credible mine builders. So exactly the type of management team we want to be operating our Royalty properties. Um, that, that was an interesting Royalty deal where we acquired these 3 Gold Royalties in Canada from a, a Canadian prospector. Um, so, you know, Treasury wasn't directly involved per se in, in that Royalty transaction. Um as you mentioned in your interview with Treasury, Sprott um, put about $20 million to work buying a new 2% royalty. Um uh, And, you know, I guess pound for pound, we've paid a much lower price than Sprott paid, largely because, I guess, I mean, we bought a secondary or existing royalty that covers part of the gold de- um, deposit. So, you know, I think, we we think that that deposits likely to grow in size um, based on the ongoing drilling work they're doing there. Um, I think the fact that they're expected to put out the pre-feasibility study on, um, on Goldland later this year, fast tracking into feasibility next year. Um, you know, and to have a construction decision you know within eighteen months. You know that's about as fast as you can possibly go. Um, but they're doing it the right way. So and to have the project fully financed into a construction decision. Um, Those are all the milestones and de-risking events that we look for in a royalty, um, where we're acquiring the royalty at great value today, but then we expect that value to to re-rate in coming quarters as management continues to de-risk the project. So. You know, we're really excited to be able to get a to get a royalty that's exposed to such an exciting project.
1: Right, and then there, there was also a, a bunch of others r- rolled up in there. You know, Woolbridge and Toro Gold and Pan American, etc. So the, you kind of picked up a little, a little package there again. I mean, how long does something like that take to get over the line?
0: Um, look, it certainly takes months. Um, you know, anytime you're acquiring existing or or secondary royalties, generally speaking, you know, you've got to sort of dig through what the history of the royalty is and. And, you know, some some royalty holders keep royalties in in pretty decent shape. Others, um, the agreements you pick up are a little bit dusty, per se, um, and you need to sort of do a bit more due diligence. So, um, you know, and any time you're dealing with a an individual that's, you know, close to retirement age, it's a very personal choice to sell their existing royalties. So, often when we deal with prospectors and prospectors' families, you know, it, it takes a bit longer because they need to be fully comfortable with, us as a group, and and the transaction and how it's structured. So, you know, I think it it probably takes a bit longer, but you know, the value outcomes, are, 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 you know, are quite attractive from our perspective.
1: Okay, so let's look at the market. Let's look at share price. Let's look at the things that investors care about, um, which is you, you've had a sort of nice growth period since August August last year, then kind of levelled off a bit, and more recently, like everyone else, fallen off a bit. How do we read the situation if you guys, royalty companies? And you, Vox Royalty, generally outperform the market over the long run. What are the moments that we look for in terms of that outperformance? Because right now you're kind of matching equities, right? You've dropped off like all equities. So do we look to what's happening with the producers? Do we look at developers? Do we look at, um, you know, or or, or explorers? I mean, as as a kind of um, Reference to what you might do and when you might do it. Do you tend to trail producers? I mean, how does it work?
0: Look, I, you know, I I think I'd, I'd probably be lying if I if I sort of crystal balled this completely because I think we are in such you know uncharted waters. Um, but if if I look at where we stand today relative to where we were even two years ago, Matt, um, you know, we've gone from one producing royalty asset to six. We expect to finish next year closer to eleven producing assets. Um, you know, and as with any equity, any stock, you know, as revenue continues to grow, free cash flow continues to grow, we can look at dividend policies um, and with, you know, increased trading liquidity through a secondary listing, you know, we think the combination of increased trading volume, increased free cash flow, exploring a potential dividend policy, um, you know, and and continuing to see this portfolio of 60 royalties mature, we think all those things combined um, will make it a high probability that the stock price, um, the share price, has to respond. You guys can't so, possibly
1: talk about doing dividends at this stage. You're 120 million market cap company. You're just starting out. You, you've got the revenue rolling. Surely that's what you need to be build, building up. That's don't look. You?
0: I mean, we'll, we'll look at dividends. Um, we're not we're not the type of group to consider sort of a gimmick dividend. We've seen others sort of release a fraction of a fraction of a cent uh, per share and. You know, we, we will only implement a dividend policy when we think it makes sense and when we can't deploy the capital into more accretive uses such as M&A or, or acquiring new royalties. So, you're absolutely right, you know, we, we need to consider it at the right time. Um, but there's been, you know, a number of investors who have actively been you know, asking us, you know, when can you consider a dividend? Um, so it's it's something that we we will consider as the year progresses and as free cash flow continues to grow.
1: Okay, so good, good. Um, I, I'm not of that um, thinking at, at, at all, and I think a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't be. So you see how let's see how your thinking evolves. What I am kind of interested in is what's going on in the marketplace. We saw some, some big transaction a couple of months ago with um, Sandstorm, with you know two big two big acquisitions there. We've seen a lot of, well, I think I think is, is it Electric Royalties? Um, is that right? Right one. The, the um, with with Fred's outfit come under a little bit of um, pressure from from oh, element, Elemental. Elemental. Yes, that's what yes. I mean. Come in a little bit of pressure. Um, unwanted and unrequited um, pressure. Um MA is inevitable. Does the increase in revenue make you more attractive or more defensible?
0: I think mean, it makes us hugely more attractive. Um, you know, when I look at what potential acquirers of any royalty company look for, it's, you know, a base of revenue they can continue to build off. Um, and then it's it's a huge amount of option value by the size of the portfolio. And having 60 royalties and you know, Ten to twelve mil of revenue this year, and analysts expecting that revenue to grow next year. Um, you know, I think we, we would tick a lot of boxes for for potential acquirers. So, you know, as we've said previously with um, you know, as we've shared previously with you, Matt, we're not kingdom builders. You know, we own fifteen percent of the company. We're shareholders ourselves. So, if someone wants to make us an offer that compensates our investors um, for for the option value we've built, yeah, absolutely open to that discussion. Um, but by the same token, you know we've got the luxury of of not needing to do any sort of deal. So over the coming quarters, revenue will continue to grow. And so, you know, for us, we're not compelled to do any any sort of corporate M at this stage, but certainly open to conversations with groups you know, as it maximises shareholder value. Obviously. Okay. Well,
1: like um, I like, appreciate your time today, but um, we will follow your story with great interest. We, we like it. We're invested. Um, so, um, yeah, keep it up and uh, stay in touch. Thanks a lot, Matt.